Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome, everybody, and welcome to Guys and a Mike Show. Plenty to talk about today. Bulls win, Bulls win, Illini over Northwestern. A college football bowl game that uh, had 100-plus points and counting, at least when I went to sleep. I don't know if they hit 200 or not. Big trade for the Chicago Cubs. Sports guys talk politics, and we may even go a little seek, and you shall find some interesting stories and news and no titillating tidbits. Two Guys and a Mike. Big dog and the coach off and running, or at least into a mild job. Thank you very much. We haven't done sports guy talk politics for a while. David Olson, nice to see you put it on our schedule today as we analyze, as only the big dog and the coach can do, the Iowa caucuses, me and... uh, Rick Santorum have gotten very, very close in the last couple of days. Uh, we got the Alana and Northwestern. Big Bulls win yesterday. The Bulls kind of quietly five consecutive victories in a row. But my one complaint about Tom Thibodeau, their coach of the year last year, uh, I had that same complaint early into this year, and I'm adding an exclamation mark next to the complaint. I'm sure everybody is thrilled and anxious to hear about that. But speaking of thrill and anxious, let me welcome in my partner, checking in via the telecommunicative phone lines out in beautiful Aurora, Illinois. If he was using Skype, you could see him live and in person, but you do have a picture of him. Right, David? His picture's on the screen. The good-looking big dog. He's almost GQ ready. It's my good friend, Joel Radwanski, better known as the big dog. How are you, big dog? Uh, Coach, quite frankly, that Skype never really did anything for me. You know, it did not bring out your skin tones. I will tell you that. Well, forget that. That's not what I was talking about. It just yeah. always seemed to, like, it seemed like we were waiting like two or three seconds in between stuff. Yep. I, 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 we got to figure something else out. That would be good, but hopefully I'll be in more often. Yes. Now, when you start talking about the Bulls and your complaint about Tom Thibodeau, just one, one complaint. One complaint. Now, yeah, it's the one complaint. I know what it is. I, I don't know if you want to get to that right now, but it's funny. Is that now everybody else is jumping on board, and that's all I've been hearing. Oh, it's a condensed season. Well, yeah, well, it's true, but even in a non-condensed season last year, uh, Derrick Rose was, had his tongue hanging out trying to beat the Miami Heat by himself. Mm-hmm. All right, well, go so, ahead and let's throw out our one complaint, as the Bulls did. And it's only one because the Bulls are playing great basketball again. This guy's obviously an outstanding coach. Bulls five in a row. I think they're, what's their record now? Six and one, big dog? I would that that sounds right. Six and one sounds right. Yeah, all right. Our one complaint, which uh, is further this year, you alluded to it. We kind of we hopped on it last year. Now everybody's hopping on board. It's a simple fact is. Uh, rest your starters. Derrick Rose and, and Lou Albang don't have to play 40 minutes every night, especially when you have a 17-point lead for the first six minutes of the fourth quarter. Uh, there's There's got to be a time where, at the beginning of the fourth quarter, he sits Derrick Rose down, okay, and then with six minutes to go in the game, they're still up by 13 to not put him back in. Leave him out. So you know what? Get it done, guys, and say, hey, Derrick, stay ready. Maybe I have to send you in, but it, it would be awfully nice to give this kid a break. Do you realize that starting Friday, Coach, the Bulls, they put the Comcast put their, their schedule up. 
they have seven games in nine days. I am not feeling sorry for these guys one bit. I would love to get paid half a million dollars a game and, and play seven games in nine days. But in the whole scheme of it, that's a real important stretch for the Bulls. You don't want you, – you could run a guy into the ground. And the simple fact is, last night Derrick Rose went up for a, a play, kind of got knocked off balance, came down, landed on his elbow, messed his elbow back up. It looked, He was down for a long time. Thibodeau puts him back in, just as Derrick Rose says he's all right. Say, hey, listen, I know you're a tough dude. You're a real tough dude. Sit your butt down. We're sending you to the hospital. That's what should have happened last night. Yeah, I'm, you know, the fourth quarter thing, and with six minutes left, I'm with you a little bit there. My big complaint is, you know, when there's four minutes left and you're up 18 points. Oh, definitely. Three minutes and 30 seconds left. Game over, Thomas Thibodeau. Game over. Get the starters out yesterday. And they clearly had the game in hand against the Detroit Pistons. Uh, they waited to like a minute and 20 seconds. There's no reason, no reason with two minutes and 52 seconds on the clock that Luol Dang, Derek Rose, and some of the other guys should be out there. And you have numerous Detroit Pistons playing like thugs, including Ben Gordon, who who the Bulls couldn't get rid of fast enough. I never liked that dude. Look at him now. Look how he's playing now. They're a cheap thug is what Ben Gordon is. I believe he's a real expensive thug for the Detroit Pistons. <laughs> so the Miami Marlins and Ozzie Guillen, I believe, have just released a statement that uh, they, in all likelihood, will pick up Ben Gordon before the end of the day. Ben Gordon will be a Miami Marlin. You heard it here first. Thank oh, you oh his attitude fits in really well with yes. Ozzie Guillen, right? That's is exactly, that right, Coach? Exactly the point. Yes. Wow, I'm yeah. telling you something, Coach. This attitude thing. Finally, people are catching on. We're going to talk about Big Z and welcome everybody. And again, thank you so much for joining us. Our phone lines, if you want to check in, Bulls fans, Cubs fans, sports fans across the nation. Got a football Friday coming up tomorrow with Monday off. The week just seems like it's in fast forward. It sneaks up on us, but we got wild card football coming on Saturday and Sunday. So we'll talk a little football today to football Friday tomorrow. 888 888- Four six three sixty seven forty eight. The phone number here triple eight four six three six seven four eight. Getting back to Tibbs and the substitution thing, uh, you know how could a great coach be so numb knuckled on one part of the game? It's so obvious to everybody. But a, you know, rest and you know why? I, I don't know how much rest they need to be honest with you. I mean, an NBA game. How, how many fast breaks do you see in an NBA game? One yeah. out of every four. The other ones they walk it up. Have you seen an yeah, NBA, I, NBA no, offense? I, I agree. The only thing that worries me is how many big hits Derrick Rose takes. Right. That's what bothers me. So I just I, and you're exactly right. Thibodeau is good on every single part of the game. Besides that, and, and coach, I do think it's more grueling than you're given the NBA uh, uh, credit for. Is it really? Well, we talked about it. It's not grueling? as tough as other people. But we've had that conversation about a week ago, if you remember. But I think it was a couple. Of days I, ago. I do think. I do think it wears your body down. I'm not saying I feel sorry for these guys, but considering you have to play so many games in so many days, you're going to have so many falls. Do me a favor. Watch the next game. And just pick out a player. Okay, Pick out a Rip Hamilton. Pick out a Luol Deng. And and just watch him, seriously. And and watch and and tell me how grueling playing 36 minutes a game is. I'm going to tell you, if if it's Luol Deng, I'm going to tell you it's, phenomenal because that guy defensively is a firecracker is only way he's you, everywhere big dog have you watched nba offenses a lot of times when they walk it up uh oh, you, you've got guys point. stationed 
It's not like they're in constant movement, right? Coach, you got a guy planted out in the corner. You got a guy planted out in the wing. Got a guy planted out in the other corner. The center comes up and set a pick. It's not like they're constantly moving on defense. So even the defender is not exactly you know in constant defensive motion as they used to be. When the when the Bulls go stagnant on offense, that's my biggest pet peeve. Watch nobody's moving on offense. I'm they just even, stand it. It's not even specifically the Bulls. I'm just talking about the NBA game. Well, well I'm sorry. When it happens to the Bulls, it drives me crazy when they do that. Just move. How are you going to get open if you just stand there? You, I mean, what do you expect, Derrick Rose? The four guys stand around and watch Derrick Rose try to get yeah, open. Hate that. Yeah, Dave. I was going to say, and don't forget the uh, frequent uh, commercial timeouts well, that, that, and everything that's like the that. Most obvious. I, I mean, there's it's unbelievable. In, in my opinion, a professional athlete, an NBA player, there's no reason why they can't play five nights a week. Seriously, five games a week. Five games. The five, way it's five, set up, game, five games a week. Yeah. And not only is there the numerous TV timeouts, if you've noticed or not, that the timeouts are much longer now. I mean, you know, it's it's you can go. Yeah, take, no, you know, no, it's. it's Two and a half minutes as opposed to two minutes. Seems like And that might not sound like that big of a difference, but that's 25% more. Yeah. So it's it's like, like, it seems like a million times longer. All right. Now, guys, I'm not saying you can't be able to do it. I'm not saying you can't play five games a week, even though they're going to be playing four games a week. They used to play uh, three and a half. Now they're playing four games a week. Uh, I'm not saying you can't do it, but all I know is it's all the teams have to do it. And I want our players, excuse me, I want the Bulls, to be the freshest of all the teams in the playoffs at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. So it takes you have to rest these guys. So whether or not you say you can do it or not, the simple fact is I'd rather have a lot less of very strenuous minutes on Derrick Rose and Luol Deng's well, legs come whenever. All right, and it's not just those. It's not just those two guys. The rest of the team too. We're going to need everybody. But I, I put resting uh, just you know one of three and maybe the third. Of the most important, because I, as you can obviously tell, I think the rest factor is overrated. Number two, you've got the injury factor. Get them out of the game so there's no chance of injury. And number three, and this is, you know, the one that nobody talks about. It's maybe it's because I'm the, you know, the idealist, the glass half full guy or whatever. But, you know, there are guys on the bench that practice and work their butts off. And I would like this message sent out to the many high school coaches that I watch consistently over the years, and in particular this most recent uh, holiday season when I went to a lot of tournament games. And you've got guys on the end of your bench. Now, I understand the object is to win the game, and it's professional basketball at the high school level. It's the varsity level. Your idea is to win. But when it's a 15-point lead, and there's 2 minutes and 42 seconds left for 2 minutes and 38 seconds, the game is over. Bring your subs, and they deserve to play big. Even, you know, a guy like John Lucas. Or, you know, a Kyle Corbett, they're working their butt off. They deserve to get some minutes. Don't bring them in when there's, and I'm talking high school coaches now, you know, when there's 32 seconds left in the game. Please. If it's By a 15-point lead, get them out of there. And so the third reason is, let the guys that are working their butts off that don't get to play, let them get some PT. Well, well the, the Bulls have a, a strength in having a really deep and versatile bench. That's why, that's another, I, I completely agree with that part of it. And seven games in nine days, the Bulls' best better step up and play serious big minutes. Seriously big minutes. So it's, it's, it's hard to step up if you can't get on the court. This is true. Absolutely yeah. true. Yeah. By the way, did you notice the Detroit? What's what's their stadium known? Is it still pal- the? It's the uh, well, I don't know if it's the Palace in Auburn Hills anymore. Mm-hmm. It might be like the the Palace in Auburn Hills is, Hills is sponsored by Ben Gay. <laughs> ben Gordon or Ben Gay? 
Or, or Ben Wallace, I'm not sure. Either one. <laughs> ben something, but uh, that place yeah. is like a cavern. I mean, they're, oh they're, my. they were lucky it, if it was half full. No way was that half full, Coach. I, I, I honestly, I would say 10% of the seats were full. I Last night I looked it up, there was 9,000 people on there. Uh, so that place fits 20,000. There's If 9,000 people were tickets sold, there was no way 45% of the seats were filled in the, in, in the place. So, yes, maybe 9,000 seats were sold. Honestly, I'm not. I don't think I'm exaggerating. Ten to fifteen percent of the seats were were occupied, and a lot of those people were wearing Derrick Rose jerseys. And I'm not kidding. So how many were wearing Derrick Rose jerseys in the crowd? Like half the people in the crowd were rooting for the Bulls. Wow. Oh, have the mighty have fallen? Huh? Because I no, mean, you no remember doubt. it was not that long ago when uh, that was a tough ticket to get. The Detroit Pistons were the toast of the town, even when they weren't winning championships in the you know years prior or just post. I mean, they were a pretty hot team, hot ticket. You know, uh, what is it? Something like 30% of the people in, like, in the Detroit area are, are jobless right now. That, I'm sure, has to do with it, the economic and part of it. About, that's part of it. And, the, and, the, and, the, like, and it's like the Muslim community is only like 10% uh, unemployed. The, the, Muslim, the Muslim community is massive in Detroit. It's like a third of the population. And they don't go to basketball games. So the people who go to basketball games are the ones that are – Right now, unemployed in Detroit, so they're in bad shape. Right, so the Pacers need to market a little bit more the uh, Muslim community. Get them out. No the reason Pistons, the Muslims can't be supporting a little, uh, you know, one-three-one trapping zone defense. That, that's what the Pistons need to do. They need to get Nazir Muhammad back. Yeah, maybe they I could mean, bring Mushin Muhammad. Could switch I, I, sports, I, play a little basketball, sit on the bench, bring in the fans. I'm surprised. So you're saying the the Muslim economic crunch is not as bad as the white and black American? Uh, yeah, exactly. Interesting. And it, it's unbelievable. Detroit is like it's massive. How big the Muslim? It's the biggest Muslim community uh, outside of Atlanta in the United States. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Was not aware of that. That's outstanding uh, sociological information brought to us by otherwise a jock extraordinaire Joel Redwanski. You surprised me many, many times, Big Doug. Uh, well, they have more mosques per capita than anywhere in the North America. The hits just keep on coming. There they go. I got I got plenty of Muslim. Uh, <laughs> uh, that could be a new part of our routine. That could be no, a new... no, it doesn't even matter the religion, Coach. I, I, I'm all into that. You know, I don't practice one, but I know what everybody else is. Uh-huh. Well, speaking of mosques, that kind of leads us into one of our topics today, the uh, sports guys talk politics. We haven't uh, touched on it, Big Dub, but the Iowa caucus, I know always one of the highlights of your holiday season <laughs> is, you know, for the big dog and your family, it's it's kind of all packed into one. Christmas, New Year's, and the Iowa caucus, three tremendous uh, uh, sporting events, but... Uh, Mitt Romney, he of the Mormon religion, did come up yeah. with a victory by eight votes, by the way. I needed to get your thoughts on Mitt Romney and a surprise coming in from the backside, uh, Rick Santorum. What do you think of the Iowa caucus? Well, luckily, Romney got all of his wives out to vote. <laughs> Only Because <laughs> he went by four, so that's pretty a, good. He's been a dedicated family man. That's one of his strengths. Please. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I shouldn't, you know, yeah. shouldn't say that. Yes, David. Uh, you, you you made an unintentional pun there. Uh oh. With uh, Santorum coming from the backside. That's, yeah. Um, oh boy. Are you are you are you aware of that the the Santorum name thing? 
Yes. Okay. Well, well re- refresh me there. The people what? that were anti-Santorum made up. Well, no, no, no. Of the the you know, gay rights activist, since right. he is staunchly anti-gay, yes. um, decided to uh, teach him a little lesson by uh, defining something using Santorum. Yes. Um, and shoot it up the Google search engine. So mm-hmm. whenever anybody searches Santorum, it is the first thing that shows up in the Google search. Lovely. And and you just punned my pun by saying shooting it up the Google search. There you, there you go. There I'm not sure go. if that so. was intended or unintended, but the show was taking an ugly turn here. Big dog, let me wow. try. On wow, a- you know that is, <laughs> you know that is that that shows you people can really do some creative stuff. I did not know that was going on, and I, I am so glad to have heard that. Yeah, and yeah, you know, yeah. Go- Google thing, Santorum, and I, I it's, 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 it's a treat. Yeah. I know coaches are so. What do you think about Santorum? I'm like I. Don't know anything about him. I'm going to have to Google him. I'm not kidding you. I would have done it, and that would have been a treat for me. I wish you wouldn't have told me this beforehand because I was actually going to do it at the end of the show. You know what's frustrating, Big Dog, is, and I'm glad you do that research for the show. I'm proud that you're, uh, you know, putting that much emphasis in to your non-paying job. Thank you very much. Uh, wow. Uh, what's interesting um, is the fact that you know you you hear this guy talk, and I watch the debates, and he actually seems like a somewhat likable guy. He makes sense a lot of uh, particular areas. He had some good responses, good arguments. But then a guy that sensible, that intelligent, that what seems like a morally upstanding guy, got the great family, you know, the wife, and, you know, the, the living the American dream, has some social issues, big dog, that just are unbelievably intolerant. And it's frustrating because, again, you want to like the guy like that. And Ron Paul's a little bit like that, too. And then some of their views, their social views with the intolerance, I just don't understand it and it frustrates me a little bit. In the yeah, game. you know, Coach, I, I feel the same way because, uh, you know, what you you say that. And in trust me, I don't understand how somebody could disrespect somebody just because they don't have the same sexual preference. I care less about that. But you say that, and it's like sometimes I'm like, I don't understand how people can be so open-minded, so intelligent. Yep. So understanding that you have to live a certain way amongst people, but then assume that if you just give money away to build a constituency, that that's the right way to, uh, you know, have a like a moral standard. So you know what I mean. So like the way that like like liberals think, I, I don't understand that either. To me, it's immoral. So mm-hmm. you know, you know, and to you, you're like, how could that possibly be? I don't understand. How could the big on? I don't understand how you guys could do that. So it goes both ways. Okay, and I, and I don't understand how some. It, it could be like, oh, a person shouldn't have the rights to choose how they live their life because I say they shouldn't like the same sex. So, I, to me, it, to, again, that's another, I'm like, this idiot really wants to get elected and, and try to force these views on us. Mm-hmm. So, you know, right. it, it, you know it, it works both ways, Coach. That's a fair retort. That's a fair mm-hmm. retort. I'll take the I'll, I'll take the body shots and see if I can respond with a left or right uppercut. And, and you can say which one ever is worth it. I don't agree with either one. So that's why I tend not to be either Democrat yeah, or Republican. You know, I, I, I still live by the philosophy of do whatever you want to do, be whatever you want to be, as long as you don't hurt anybody else. And in the case of gay marriage, you're not hurting anybody else. Now, when it comes to the abortion issue, that's a whole different ball of wax. And, and as liberal as I am, I don't understand how some liberals can just you know, almost rudely and uh, 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 without exception, you know, put aside ever, anybody who's even hesitates that, you know, pro-choice could be wrong. Because I do think there's an in-between in the abortion issue. 
you know, and that there is a life. Now, when is it, you know, a life? Is it on conception or at what point? That part can be argued, but I, I clearly see that as a gray area. But again, getting back to the simple philosophy, do whatever you want to do. Be whatever you want to be as long as you don't hurt anybody else. Simple, trite, concise, but if we all followed it, it would be very accurate in the case of gay marriage. I think it applies. The abortion issue, different story, because are you hurting the fetus, if that makes any sense? Mm-hmm. No, no, I understand. Yeah. Now, uh, New right. Hampshire's coming up next. In the near distance, we got a great battle going on. I mean, this is Packer Bear. This is Celtic Nick. This is who's the best hockey rivalry out there right now? What do we got? Oh no, no, that that's that's a Bruins. pretty tough call right now. But uh, you were going to say Bruins and Philadelphia? That's yeah, not a that bad call. That might be at Boston and Philadelphia, and that is Newt Gingrich on the attack, a wounded. He's like an injured pit bull on the attack, and he is going after. You know who he's going after? Probably Ron Paul. No, no Mitt no, no. Romney. Yeah, Mitt Romney. Everybody's going after Mitt Romney right well, now. Well, right? but Newt, Newt in particular, because Newt was in the lead, and then Mitt Romney's, uh, you know, put out an ad campaign that just brought out a, a bunch of dirty stuff on Newt Gingrich and shot him down. So Gingrich right now realizes he can't win, but he wants a true conservative in there, and he is going after Mitt Romney. It's going to be a great battle. It's going to get dirty, going to get ugly. You're going to love it, big dog. No, I'm not. I, I can care less about either one of those two guys. And, and Romney's up by like thirty all. points too in New Hampshire, so yes, yeah, it's it's not even going to be close. Well, yeah, well, Romney, you would think should dominate New Hampshire, Connecticut, Massachusetts. You would think he should. That if he doesn't, then he's in trouble again. He's right now. He's been in a no-win situation. The guy won the Iowa caucus. Well, won. He dead heat. That's who cares if it's four votes. Some, there had been something illegal going on somewhere. So. A dead heat with a guy that, what, spent about 1% of the money he did? I, I don't know what the numbers are, but it's, like, ridiculous like that, isn't it? Where maybe he spent 10% of the money he was sent for him? So what? So everyone's like, oh, well, Romney won, but it, it was barely a win. And now he goes, he'll blow up uh, a couple of New England states, and then people will be like, well, he was supposed to. So the guy will he'll continue to win and gain no momentum, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of been the story of it thus far. He's kind of easing his way into it, but not gaining any great momentum, any great enthusiasm, even the 30% in New Hampshire. That's not a 30% lead. That's 30%. I mean, that's good, but let's not get overly excited. Big Dog, any chance that you uh, will be down in South Carolina covering what could be a very interesting South Carolina primary uh in a couple of weeks i know rick perry is going to be in the, any chance you will be there covering that for our good friends here at the two guys in a mic show um not if it's in a weekend because i don't want to miss any nfl playoff games I, I mean i got serious things to worry about i don't have to figure out which uh next crook's going to get elected and figure out which corporations <laughs> paid them off and which laws will be passed in order uh, for them to make the greasing you know sports guys talk politics was a lot more fun before you got so jaded uh, when did uh, I got jaded around? I think, I think the first time that I, I asked my mom why what this biker thing was on my check when I was thirteen years old, <laughs> and she said you don't have to worry about that. And I was like, why? She said you'll never see it. Don't worry about it. And I'm like, oh really? That was okay, I was right. She was right, wasn't she? That was the beginning of the jading. Yes, it was definitely yeah. right then. I was like, why? And then I started asking questions. Why are people taking money? Why can't I just pay them later if I need it? And I know you, you, there's some, you know, you, you, restraint is not necessarily one of your top five traits, but you have restrained because you, you know people. You've got some stories that even you 
haven't brought up on this show on some of the inside dealings here in the city of Chicago. You've got uh, people in strange places with some uh, pretty bizarre stories, Big Dog. So if yeah, you ever I, decide I, to chirp, people are in trouble. I, I do. I don't. I would have to throw a couple people under the bus. How about just a little basic one? Since I just brought up the FICA one, this isn't throwing anybody under the bus. There's nothing they can do about it now. But, uh, they, you know, this whole Social Security thing passes, blah, blah, blah. You know, my grandma, oh, they pass it. And my, my grandma's like, you know what? Pretty good idea. She goes in, gets a job for six months, okay, when she's like 59. That's all she does and, and doesn't have a job again. She, at starting at 65, she collected Social Security for about, about 25 years. Mm hmm. And oh, that's the only reason why she did it. And she's and like and basically, she wasn't the only one. And so it's kind of funny. While a lot of a lot of people will say, "Hey, uh, you know, the Social Security was here to protect those those people after World War II and all that other stuff." Okay. Well, the the truth is that same generation that it was taken for. Well, about thirty three percent of those people totally fleeced the whole entire uh, uh, what do you call it a system, and that's bankrupt. There hasn't been really a government like a uh, program that hasn't gone bankrupt that was made to actually help people out. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, if you look at all of them, Medicare, Social Security, they're all bankrupted now. It's like, if you're doing a program, you can't do it forever. Okay, you got to think, all right, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do this for like 10 years and boom, we're done with it. Otherwise, it becomes antiquated and all it does is get filtered with people that decide to figure out the system and just abuse it to the utmost. Mm-hmm. So you are uh, implying that uh, at the age of 65, you are not thoroughly anticipating getting your just rewards, I'm going to assume. Uh, well, I, I don't think anybody under the age of 40 mm-hmm. could legitimately say, yes, I'm going to get that. And if, you, if you're if you actually believing that you're going to get that, I would not count on the savings for it. That, if you get that, that should be like your vacation money, okay, mm-hmm. honestly, or your drinking money. I don't know. I can't. That's all I can tell you, Coach. It's sort of like, uh, if I could make this quantum leap into the sporting world, it's sort of like what we talked about yesterday. And unfortunately, it's a great realization of the Bear fans right now. you got a starting quarterback, but assume he's going to get injured. You better have a good backup quarterback. Oh, absolutely. It's a hell of an analogy, actually. Thank you very much. Yeah, because yeah, it's your life. It ain't a Bear season where, you know, yeah. on Monday you get to go back and, and not worry about it. Little sports guys talk politics here. The two guys at a mic show. You want to chime in off the sports page? You are more than welcome at any point during this show or any show. The more you can interrupt the me and the big dog, the more we encourage it. And I think I can speak on behalf of our listeners. It'd be a uh, it'd be a pleasurable thing. Eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. Again, triple eight four six three six seven four eight. If you want to check in, we'll keep an eye on the primaries in on occasion. Not often, but on occasion, we'll do our two guys talk uh, sports. T- Sports guys talk politics segment. Big dog, um, and I know you've got some little tidbits you wanted to bring up, some interesting stories. I've got a few of those, too, a little seeking ease you'll find in the on-deck circle before a football Friday. But we do got to talk about your Illinois fighting line. They won by a point over the Wildcat. Any chance you watched yesterday? Oh, absolutely. I watched, Coach. You know better than that. I kept on thought I thought I saw you in the crowd, but it, it wasn't. It was always some young you know, Asian kid in the crowd with his <laughs> Northwestern shirt. It was cracking me up. So I, I was looking for you. That would have been a great game to go to. Uh, what? It's a good rivalry, Illinois versus Northwestern. And, and before I go into this, this might sound a little crazy what I'm going to bring up here. 
But I am so happy Northwestern has changed their court. Northwestern no longer has this really gleamy, shiny, deep purple court. Mm -hmm. They have turned it into like, at first it looks kind of cheesy, but it's so much easier to watch. It's like this soft, same dark purple, but it's like a softer version of it inside the court. More courts around basketball need to go to a more suitable court for the viewer on television. Because this might sound crazy, Coach, but watching Northwestern games before used to be difficult for me for the glare. Mm-hmm. My eyes aren't that good on the court. I see the game perfectly. Was like, does that sound nuts to you? But I, that was one of the most enjoyable games last That's night to be able to watch because the court was easy for me to see the game played on. I wonder, uh, David Olson, Joe brings up a good point from a construction, and you are our constructional analyst here, and uh, all things house mechanics. How many, when, when they build a court or build a football field, how much consideration, if any, do you think they give to how it will look on television? It's an interesting point. It is I mean, an interesting I, point. I, I think... Yeah, that isn't it. It's a real interesting point. Um, Let's put it this way: if they don't, they probably should. Have you guys ever watched uh, like a the UC Santa Barbara games at like midnight, on, and then all of a sudden you're, they're on like a a volleyball court, and they have like huge different colors, and it's distracting. I, I legitimately, it's very difficult for me to watch those games. You mean all, not, the, that, that tell, all the different lines in the court? Wears, when when Boise wears blue at home, I won't even watch the game. It's like the only football game on television I don't watch because it's like impossible for me to actually see anything. So I just I'm gonna forget it. I won't even watch the game. You know, thinking a little bit more about it, as long as it has clear sight lines, it really doesn't matter. And I'll give you the Allstate Arena as a perfect example of this. If you ever, if you've, you've obviously been there before, I mean, that place yeah. is just a giant box, and it's it, it's a dirty box on the inside, but it looks awesome on television. It really does. It does. It does. It's perfect. I, I, but to me, there is something for the court for me. But my eyes are, like, in the bottom 0.1% of people on the planet. So maybe it's, like, a little bit different for me. But honestly, I saw that game and I was like, wow, it was just easy. Nice and subtle colors on the court is what I'm talking about. Not, like, blasting me out. That might sound crazy. but it, So I, I thoroughly enjoyed the game. And the intensity of that ball game was really, really good. And Myers Leonard didn't play at all in the first half. Basically, in the in the last five or six minutes of the game, he really dominated, and that was the difference for Illinois, eking out a win against Northwestern. And let's admit it, if Northwestern was a great shooting team, it hits a couple more free throws in the second half, they, they beat Illinois. Oh, my goodness, Coach, that team's supposed to be hit free throws, aren't they? That must have been killing you watching that the, game. That was the so. clink and clank show at the free throw line. That was absolutely brutal. I didn't see the final stats, but, uh, yeah, they missed, they, a, missed a ton at the free throw line. And, and I don't, and it was, it's okay, you know, if you're missing some free throws, if you're hitting your shots, but at one point, with about four minutes to go, I don't know what they ended up with. Northwestern had three made field goals in the second half. And, and they only had about two or three more after that. So it was, they had 36 points at halftime, is that right, Coach? Yep, 36-26 lead, and I think they, up until the three, four minute mark, they had scored like 11 points in the second half. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah, exactly, because it was, yep. it was, there was nine points. Because they had 45 points with like with like three and a half minutes to go in the game, and then they had a then they hit a couple threes. Sure to hit that one from far away, and I was like, uh oh, uh oh, things didn't look good. Yeah, really. Uh, being there in person, it was 
kind of a methodical, not real exciting game for 38 minutes. And then the last two minutes of the game, the game exploded. For those that didn't watch it, Northwestern did have a shot on a missed free throw. Six seconds left. They bring the ball up. Drew Crawford, coast to coast, goes up for the layup. It would have brought the house down. The Northwestern fans would have stormed the court. One of the few times they get to do it, he puts up the layup. And Myers Leonard with a clear no foul, no controversy rejection at the buzzer. I'm telling you, the Cat fans are ready to explode, Big Doe. It was very disappointing. Yeah, and Myers Leonard did it right, Coach. When you're a foot taller than the guy you're blocking a shot up, go straight up in the air. Just go straight up. You won't get the foul. You know, no matter what, if you're going straight up and he hits you, the ref's got to call a no-call at that point. So that's a beautiful call. And you brought this up about Bobby Knight a couple weeks ago, Missouri versus Illinois, how he killed the game. I'm telling you, watching Lane, Wayne Larrabee, who I cannot stand because he left the Bears to go to the Packers, that frickin' traitor, <laughs> had every single possession of that game last night on the edge of my seat. I'm not kidding you. So that was, it's funny, I was more excited here at home watching it than you were in the arena. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Wayne, that's probably true because it was not a great game to watch. Wayne Larrabee, I'm with you, uh, not happy that he went from the Bears to the Packers. Boy, is he a good announcer. He's the best when you listen to him on do a football game on radio, because you talk oh, about yeah. trying to you know the the old cliche of paint a picture and describe what's going on, nobody when you're driving around listening to a game, nobody did it better. Nobody described. You could see the play unfolding, like Warren Larrabee. He was uh, impressive, but uh, the, the game I didn't think was that exciting. And big dumb. One of my complaints, and I take this to other college teams, and again I go back to a lot of the high school games. This is my first year not coaching high school basketball in a a long time. So I've been able to uh, get my hoops fixed by going to games. In the high school games, a lot of them are the same way, and that is let let your thoroughbreds run. Let the athletes play. Way too much walk it up half court basketball. Push the ball up the court fast break. My philosophy is you can always set it up. But instead of getting a rebound and getting it to a guard and walking it up, let's push the ball up the court. Look for some transition point. Let the these kids are such great athletes, such talented players. Let them create something in transition. Then if it's not there, back out, work your half-court offense. Way too much, walk it up, half-court stuff. And I thought that way. Illinois' offense was stagnant last night. Yeah, and the problem is, they don't have enough good enough ball handlers, I think, that could push it up the court. Oh, come on. And then, oh, that, I'm not kidding you, Coach. And then pull up. And then, you know, and then reset the offense. That's what? actually pretty difficult to do. It is? I don't think they have enough talent. I don't think Tracy Abrams is ready yet to actually do that type of point guard it's, I'm going to need a little help. What specifically is so difficult about pushing the ball up the court? If it's not there, a little secondary break, reverse the ball, reverse the ball, shot fake drive. If you can't get that off the reversal in secondary, what is so difficult about passing it up and then uh, setting up a special player? No, I, I would love to see them play that way. I would love to see them play that way. I just it, it seems like whenever Illinois does that, they turn the ball over. Whenever there's a fast they push and there's nothing there, they they seem to be turning the ball over this year. It's overcoaching sometimes. Over these coaches want to run their sets or run their play. Let your thoroughbreds run. All right, I'll get off my high horse on that one. At any rate, uh, no, no, I, no, let them play. Let these guys play. I couldn't yep. agree more. Yeah. All right, 888-463-6748. By the way, I don't know if you know it or not, or uh, saw it or not, Big Dub, but Duke, I didn't realize this till I read my uh, morning paper, but Duke got upset last night. The Blue Devils going down to Temple in college. Hoop. 
Temple beat Duke last night? Oh, my, I should have been watching that game. I was too busy watching uh, West Virginia's course 70 on Clemson. Yeah. I couldn't change the channel. Was, I was transfixed. I never saw anything like that before. That, that, that was next on the topic. <laughs> I, I, I finished watching a game or something, or I, or I came home after the Northwestern and turned on the TV, flipping channels. All right, I'm burned out on college football, but I'll check out the game. I turn it on, 63 to 29. I'm thinking, what, or 10 seconds left in the game? And the fourth quarter is just starting. I'm like, what the hell was going on? You watched it, Big Dog. What the heck happened? Well, uh, <laughs> this is exactly what happened. The score is 24 Excuse me, the score is 20-17, to 17, West Virginia, Clemson has the ball. So they're down three with about three minutes to go in the first half. Excuse me, no, about two minutes to go in the first half. It was going under two minutes, okay? So at that and point, it's still a reasonable scoring game. Reasonable scoring game? West Virginia, Clemson's about to take the lead. They're on West Virginia's one-yard line, okay, with, with about less than two minutes to go in the first half. As the guy's in the pile, a kid from West Virginia – comes in, grabs the ball out of the runner's hands inches before he hits the ground, and then returns it 99 yards for a touchdown. Wow. And you're like, whoa, okay, it's 27-17. How is Clemson going to respond to that? That was unbelievable. Okay, And Clemson immediately kicks two passes, three uh, three downs, they kick a field goal, it's 27-20. You're like, okay, you know, maybe they can rebound from this. All right, well, immediately they kick off. Two plays later, touchdown. Okay, it's 34-20. Uh-oh. Oh, excuse me, 35-20. Well, it happens again. So now they kick off the Clemson coach, and now there's only about 40 seconds to go in the first half. As soon as the guy catches the ball, it breaks up. Fumble. Now there's only 39 seconds to go in the half. They scored again. Okay, they scored. <laughs> West Virginia scored 35 points in eight minutes. Wow. I'm not kidding. In eight Minutes. I was. I watched all of it and could not believe what I was seeing. I, I had never seen anything like this. This deluge. So they get the ball. It's forty-two to twenty. <laughs> Thirty-nine seconds to go in the first half, and they're on the twenty-eight with two timeouts. To, with two timeouts, coach. They got. They got the snap. Got a first down right up to the line. And played. Uh, excuse me. Had three more plays. So that would be on thirty-nine. They actually snapped the ball on thirty-two. They ran three plays without calling a timeout in 32 seconds and scored a touchdown. It's one of the, Dana Holgerson is the coach of West, West Virginia. It was one of the most well-coached first halves in the history of coaching of any sport. If you would have saw these guys run those three plays, it was it was unreal. The quarterback just yelled out a word, and everybody ran and snapped the ball. And then they did it again. And they did it again, and they scored a touchdown. That's what you so, call a offensive deluge. How did, uh, how did our good friend Dabo Sweeney handle all this? Well, he wasn't dancing. He wasn't <laughs> dancing. And just to let you know, the first drive of the second half, West Virginia scored on three plays. Yep. On the second drive of the second half, West Virginia scored on five plays. So it was 63 to 20 with 10 minutes to go in the third quarter. After that, West Virginia, you, I, they legitimately coached, ran the, they ran the ball either up the middle, they put in their backup quarterbacks, they did everything they possibly could to not score anymore. I'm not kidding. It was it was kind of funny watching them play the game. They were like, hey, hey, is there a backup white tight end that wants to carry the ball for the first time all season? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, if you are interested in a position, maybe you're out of work now and you're interested in being a defensive coordinator, 
Please uh, look up uh, Clemson University to apply to the football staff head defensive coordinator. That position is officially open as of 10:25 this morning. Thank you very much. I, I am going to rip on Clemson a little bit because they obviously didn't play well, but I am going to give 99% of the whole accolade. So forget just a little tiny, but come on, Clemson, tackle a little bit. That was Dana Holgerson's offense and Geno Smith. You know, uh, there was a college, or excuse me, a pro scout who called Geno Smith, the quarterback of, of West Virginia, mm-hmm. uh, who's an African-American kid, by the way, the next Joe Namath. Okay, and I heard that before the game. I'm like, are you kidding me? That's ridiculous. At the end of the game, I'm like, are you the next Johnny Unitas? Forget Joe Namath. The kid looked like he was the greatest quarterback I've ever seen. What was the, the comparison with Joe Namath? Did it have to do with personality, brash, and outgoing in addition to talent? No, the, the, the simple thing was just his exact way he throws the ball. And after I saw it, yes. Oh, it's beautiful. Goes straight over the top, quick. It's mm-hmm. awesome. He does look like Joe Namath with his release. All right. Uh, West Virginia knocking off Clemson. Clemson had a, a great season, really, one of the toughest schedules in all of college football. But uh, they end out at a negative note. Big win for West Virginia. We get a break. Thank goodness, a break today from bowl games, Big Dome. But coming at you tomorrow will be part of our football Friday. Not a bad game Friday night. The Arkansas Razorbacks take on your, actually it's not your, but the Kansas State Wildcats. So uh, at least we get a one-day one break tonight. Uh, yes, and I don't know what I'm going to do tonight. I'll probably maybe wash my hair. I'm not sure exactly what I'll do, but I'll figure something out. Nice, Coach. Uh, oh, uh, the the, the Kansas State-Arkansas game is going to be really good because like, it's Arkansas with all the talent in the world, totally wide open, and then there's Kansas State, who there's like kicking game defense, and they're totally fundamentally sound, and they play way above their talent. So it's a really cool matchup, I think. Hanging low, Harry uh, emails in and says, don't forget tonight, 7 o'clock on ESPN, the Deuce, the Under Armour All-Star Classic. I'm assuming that's a high school football game. Uh, I'm assuming, Coach, that's exactly what I'm assuming, and I do think it's probably a pretty good night to go see Lily the Lilac. I was going to say, I hate to disappoint Hanging Low Harry, but it's still a good night to wash your hair, even though you don't have any. Thank you very much. 888-463-6748. Big Dog and a coach. Two guys and a mic. By the way, uh, Big Dog, and we don't want to release any details yet because there aren't any details, but there is a possibility we'll be out and about, uh, possibly doing our show or some version of it live at one of the local establishments here. I would look forward to uh, spending even more additional time with you, but that might be in the uh, not-too-distant future. Something tells me, like, if we, if we go out and perform, Coach, it's going to be something like when the Blues Brothers showed up at Bob's Country Bunker. You remember that in the movie? <laughs> yes. When it was done, they're like, all right, will you pay us? And they're like, well, uh, speaking of that, folks, uh, <laughs> after all the beer you drank, you owe us $150. Something tells me something like that's going to happen, Coach. Dave, it is nice because the place we're looking at, there is a cemetery across the street. Big Dog noticed that. So he's already got one of his lines that, you know, if we die, at least, you know, there's a cemetery right across the street. Thank you very much. So it, it does kind of take the pressure off a little bit. But uh, we'll have some details on that hopefully coming up. 888-463-6748. The phone number, the coach and the dog, 10 to 11, Monday through Friday, every day here on thetalkzone.com, your Internet source for all of a variety of talk shows here. Dog, uh, we got to mention your favorite team along with the bears probably the team you have the most passion for the chicago cubs they make a move yesterday it's a big move they release trade whatever you want to call it carlos zambrano big z is now a member of the miami marlins i uh, hesitate to say this 
but your thoughts. Uh, I just wonder, who else did they get besides Chris Bolstead? Do you know, Coach? That's it. Okay, well, if the Cubs are getting back garbage, why do they have to pay $15 million of the $18 million owed to Zambrano this season? Well, I thought I thought Miami was picking up 15 out of the 18. Oh, I that's thought. what, see, I was told the wrong thing. Yeah. You're... Okay, okay, that makes sense. If the Cubs are going to get garbage back, then they shouldn't have to pay yeah. Zambrano's contract. Okay. Yeah, I think, right, uh, you know, I'm sure. not 100% sure on that, because if it's not, if it's the other way around, I completely agree with you. But I, yeah, I mean, think... if they're going to pay Zambrano's contract, give us a... Because yes. Zambrano will win 12 games next year for the Cubs. Of course, he'll beat up one of our players and insult somebody but and ruin team chemistry. But other than that, we'll at least have a winning record. It yeah. is It is the other way around, by the way. The Cubs are picking up 15 to $16 the million. Cubs are. It's ridiculous. Cubs are. Then yeah. it's not a good deal. Why is everybody saying it's such a good deal? Chris Bolstead wow. is a below-average pitcher. So they're just, what, Miami's just picking up 2 or $3 million? Yep. So basically, See, the we just dumped Carlos Zambrano. Yeah, exactly. We didn't even get Chris Volstead would. His never all Chris Volstead's been is potential. He has potentially been a guy that could be a number two starter in Major League Baseball, and he's never been better than a fifth starter. And as you so, said many times, potential is a French word for. Uh, he ain't worth a damn yet. Thank you. So it's. it's I don't know. Because the reason why I didn't want them to eat it is because maybe if they don't eat Zambrano's contract, they can eat Soriano's contract if they try to trade him. But they still have to pay him for four more, oh, three more seasons. Uh, only three more. So they only owe him, Coach, about $50 million, uh, Alfonso Soriano, mm-hmm. only. Imagine they already paid that dude over $80 million. To, I mean, that, that's you know, painful for us as Cub fans. Just think how painful it is for Tom Ricketts' family. To write out those well, checks for three more years. No, no, no. I, I, I am not. They knew the bad they were getting into when they bought the team. Well, I do not feel bad for anybody who owns the Ameritrade family. Doesn't mean that's it's still not. The it's, they inherited. It doesn't mean I understand that, but it doesn't mean it's still not painful to write that check out. No, I, I, I'm with you, and that's probably one of the reasons why they they could have used that in negotiation. So like, we're trying to buy this team, and yep. you still owe Carlos them this when they bought it. You still owe Carlos Zambrano. Yeah. More than fifty million, and you owe Soriano one hundred and ten million dollars. Mm-hmm. You owe one hundred sixty million dollars to garbage. That's, you know, so the, they had to use that in the because then they got a real good deal on the. Remember, everyone was like, "Wow, they got about a hundred million dollars less than mm-hmm. they thought because they only only they only spent eight hundred and fifty million on the Cubs or whatever the I don't know what the exact price was. I'm sure uh, uh, Dave will find that out. But remember, people were talking about the Cubs were going to go for more than a billion dollars. They didn't go for a billion. It was a big-time business transaction, and you can be sure that uh, the representatives for Tom Ricketts brought that up because those are millions of dollars that we're going to, uh, you know, the check is going to so, have to be written and, and without much in return, and now they've got nothing in return for Carlos Zambrano, and you got to write him. If I, if I were Tom Ricketts, I'd just write the $15 million, pass over one check, get it done with, and then it's just too painful to write, like, those checks over. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Uh, you, know, you know what? How about this? Work out a deal with the agent, and we'll pay you the whole thing minus a little bit of the interest because you're getting it early. Mm-hmm. So you owe him, you owe him uh, eighteen point two million dollars. So you give him like you know like seventeen point nine five. Here, just I'm, we're done with it, and just mm-hmm. deal with it. It's kind of interesting right. how it's uh, I don't know poetic license. I guess you could call. It. We just assume of the brilliance, uh, and you know they've got a track record. So I guess the assumption for the most part is. Uh, 
deserved, and we're talking about Jed Hoyer and Theo Epstein, but the moves that they're making, Big Dog, if it would have been some other, like, new GM who the Cubs brought in. We'd be like, you're exactly right. Yeah. (laughs) What are you, crazy? These guys are incompetent. The media would be all over them, the exact same moves, because it's Theo Epstein doing it, people are assuming, oh, there must be some brilliance behind it. I completely, wholeheartedly agree. I was, I was like, whatever, are these the right moves just because Theo's making them? I, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. And, and if you don't mind finishing this whole Ricketts like, thing and the situation the Cubs are in right now and, and all the stuff Epstein has to do in order to, you know, right the ship, all I know is this is the Ricketts family as a, Zell, Sam Zell purchased it from you know Tribune, and then he tried. To, that guy ended up being one of the biggest jackmos in history. Okay, <laughs> he took a bath and lost so much money on the Cubs. Yep. And I'm I, the, the idea, considering it, when people rip the Ricketts family, I want to remind them that Sam Zell owned the team before, not the Tribune company. So, would you rather have Sam Zell owning the team or or the Ricketts family? I, I'm going to end my argument right there. I'm not the Biggest Ricketts family fan, but compared to the rest of the Cub fans, I'm going to be in their corner and say, "Hey, let's mm-hmm. let's leave our ownership alone. They're doing the right thing." Okay, so yep. make it, making so that not. comparison is like uh, you know, you get rid of Carlos Zambrano, you want Chris Volstad instead. Huh. Yeah, yeah, right. that's kind of what it is. Would you rather have Sam Zell, Carlos Zambrano, or would you rather have Chris Volstad, mm-hmm. the Ricketts family? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's perfect. It's exactly the right thing. Not necessarily the uh, the best of two choices, but. Uh, here we are. All right, well, we'll see what other moves. We'll, you know, it's football season. we got the playoffs coming up, and basketball and hockey are hot and heavy, but we'll keep an eye on the baseball world, Big Dog, as our Chicago Cubs and the White Sox uh, go over what I would call major makeovers. Would you say in your 30-plus something, and I can't say 30-plus too many years, pretty soon it's going to be 40, but in your 30-plus years on this earth, Big Dog, is this the two collectively? The biggest makeovers, the two teams have gone in the same calendar year? Yeah, you, you know, it's funny you said that. I think you're right. Now, we've had years where the Cubs and White Sox have been bad at the same time. Mm-hmm. But a lot, sometimes those years happen when both teams are supposed to be good, or one of them is supposed to be good. But when you're talking about both teams have basically admitted publicly that, you know what, we're rebuilding now. Even the Cubs are they're, they're kind of saying, hey, we're rebuilding in a, in a division that we could win. Okay, they, you know that that's how they're kind of, but they're admitting, hey, we're we're trying to get rid of some people. Uh, you know, this is the first time in my life I can that I can remember that both teams actually admitted a rebuilding program. Yeah. First time the Cubs really have. Think about it. The Cubs never admit rebuilding. They just they're always a perennial rebuilding with a team that is one, you know, one or two players away from actually winning the division. That's both teams. Both teams making major personnel changes. Both teams getting rid of their managers, bringing in new on-the-field staff. One team has changed their total administration, uh, and in player personnel for both teams is changing. I can't remember a year. Again, collectively, both Cubs and Sox have had so much change. Could be a good thing, could be a bad thing, but uh, massive change with both ball clubs. If you think about it, it's been the front offices and, well, not the managerial spot so much on the north side. But the, the front offices have pretty much stood pat over the – I shouldn't say stood pat. They've, they don't change that much in Chicago. If you think about how – Kenny Williams has been here for a long time. Jim Hendry was here for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then before that, uh, well, he had like the, the whole McPhail uh, – excuse me, the Ed Lynch thing. And it, 
around for a long time. So we're, it doesn't happen very often where it happens in the same exact year where both uh, both uh, teams here are rebuilding. And it cracks me up. Everybody's talking about, no, it's going to be a horrible summer in the city of Chicago. But you know what? If we get a couple 25-year-old outfielders on the north side that could run and catch the ball and have some excitement and maybe uh, some of these pitchers that the Cubs have been grooming over the years, you know, maybe we should have been like, we should have went younger sooner. And, and and with the White Sox, every time you write the White Sox off, I swear that's the year that they end up. Like in 2000, they're supposed to be one of the worst teams in the division. They won the most teams and they, they won the most games in the American League that year. Mm-hmm. So I think that, one the thing, White Sox perennially do that when you expect them to do that. And um, I think can we safely say for both teams, you know, the, the the backhanded compliment, if you will, for both teams coming in the next year, the pressure will be off. Yeah, absolutely. The pressure's off. <laughs> not sure and, if that's and, a good thing or not, but you know, if well, you I mean, the pressure's going to be on the Cubs really, really quick, and the White Sox really, really quick. This is Chicago. Uh, uh, we're not idiots. We we don't mind a year to set another season okay. up every once in a while. I thought when you Something, said really, really quick, you were talking about the first couple months of the season. Basically, this year, and again, I could make that statement. I don't think I ever remember where both Major League Baseball teams will be coming into a season with less pressure than this year. I think it's kind of a bonus year for both Cub and or Sox. Yeah, and it's funny. It's, there's a little pressure on, on those teams. Well, well next year, the, the Tigers look really good. The Twins look pretty decent. Obviously, the Indians will be one year better uh, with all that talent coming back. So, for the White Sox, I don't I don't see them contending, even though they seem to be the one out of the two teams that tend to contend more. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with the Cubs, you, you know, obviously, they're, the team isn't all that great. But look at the division. We don't know what will happen. I mean, the Cardinals are the Cardinals. But they did lose Albert Pujols. So, I mean, they're, they're not that frightening. Okay, and Fielder isn't staying in Milwaukee. And the Brewers are going to take a nosedive here, Coach. Seriously. All right. That's enough baseball talk. We're down to the down to the wire here, Big Doe. I don't know if you have any uh, little seeking ye shall finds or hear ye, hear ye's. I did uh, write down a few from the local newspaper today. I like this one in particular. From the IDOT, that's the Illinois Department of Transportation, one of their main marketing and community representatives. He's the guy that goes out and makes speeches about safe driving, got arrested a couple of days ago, Carmen Iacolo, for driving while intoxicated. Yeah, not good, buddy. That's not good. Uh, Los Angeles Bishop resigns. I read the headline. I couldn't even read the article. L.A. Bishop resigns after fathering two children, admitting to fathering two children. Was it with somebody over 18 and a female? I certainly hope so. Certainly okay. hope so. The fire chief in the community of Westmont, the fire chief, arrested yeah. for a DUI last week. Thank you very much. That's always nice to know. And elementary, this is all in the city of Chicago. I'm sure people in other cities could come up with their own good stuff. But elementary school security officer arrested and found with cannabis and a loaded handgun in his car. Thank you very much. Uh, uh, that's that's always good to know, Coach. <laughs> that's a elementary school. You know, I had uh, I, I had all types of stuff uh, written out from yesterday, Coach. I have no idea where it is right now. We'll dig it out. Uh, I had a, yeah, I, I had a bunch of really really good stuff that you, that you're going to laugh about. Now you got to save your notes now. Save the your notes. notes. Are somewhere. They're dig scattered. it out for tomorrow, and don't forget tomorrow, uh, football Friday. We got wild card football to talk about over the weekend, Big Dog. Couple of games Saturday, couple of games Sunday. First round of the NFL playoffs. Sometimes uh, some of the better games. Uh, uh, this is always the best game of the year. I mean, the best weekend in the championships. 
The divisional rounds suck. Those are the blowouts. The, the playoff, the wild card's always the best weekend. Cincinnati, Houston, Detroit, New Orleans. Those are the two games on Saturday. I think Detroit, New Orleans is going to be seven o'clock Saturday night. So if Lily the Lilac is expecting any uh, special Saturday plans, you might want to tell her hold off a week. Uh, and then on Sunday you got Atlanta and the Giants. I think that might be the best game of the bunch. Pittsburgh at Denver. And before you say that's a blowout, remember Rashard Mendenhall out for the season, and Ben Roethlisberger is working on about one good leg right now. I, I'm not going to say that's a blowout, but it's, it's, it's ten to nothing Pittsburgh. And Ryan Clark of the Pittsburgh uh, Steelers, their free safety, will not be playing because he's got sickle cell uh, trait. And whenever he exerts himself in high altitude, uh, his oxygen molecules change shape and they don't form and he could uh, actually die. Speaking of changing shape, David Olson, did you see the picture of Tim Tebow's reported girlfriend on the Facebook that's uh, going around? Okay. No. And again, I reported. I don't think it's actual, but you might want to check that out. It's a uh... big girl? It's worth. <laughs> uh, yes, would be the answer to that. <laughs> All right, Big Dog, we'll look forward to it tomorrow. Beat the Schmoes, and somebody has to stop David Olson and uh, email or Swamp Rat, two of the hottest guys around. You've had six out of the last seven winning weeks, so I expect you to bounce back from a rare down week last week. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll bounce back, Coach. <laughs> All right, Dog, for the female fans out there, any uh, you going to be out and about today, or are you hunkered down? Uh, well, I'm going to hunker down for a while and hopefully be out about afterwards and hopefully back into the city. So right, hopefully well, that's all well, good. Well, if you do uh, go out and about, uh, you know, send a shout out on our Facebook page. There's a lot of uh, female fans, Cinemax Cindy included, who would like to uh, rub elbows among other body parts with you. All right, sounds good, everybody. And I will be in. Oh, is, t- is today Thursday? Yep. Uh, I will. I will do my best to be in the studio tomorrow. <laughs> all right, dog. Have a great one. Have a good one, everyone. Thanks for listening, everybody. Two guys at a mic. TalkZone.com. Signing off. See you tomorrow at 10. Don't be late. Have a great day.